welcome back to a solo episode of Miss Congeniality. I'm so excited to be doing a solo episode today. I feel like we've needed it and I apologize for the state of my voice. I am just feeling run down. I think it's like some autoimmune stuff coupled with like just being on the go and I took a COVID test. I don't have COVID. I started a pack, so we're going to be fine. We're going to get on the plane on Thursday um, because it's currently Tuesday, March 28th at 12.55 p.m. So I'm going to get on that plane and I will be in Arlington, Texas this weekend. But before that, we have a wonderful next hour or so to spend with one another. And today's episode is all about spring cleaning. So we're going to talk about Physical spring cleaning, mental spring cleaning, emotional spring cleaning. I love the theme of the episode. Shout out to Jonathan who works on the podcast with me. He and I came up with the idea and we, you know, were bouncing ideas and he came up with this one and I was like, I love it. So shout out to him as always. And let's just jump right in. We have so many updates. Um, Where to begin? Okay, let's begin with American Idol event that I went to last night. It was absolutely crazy one of the craziest nights of my life mostly because like I have been to events where celebrities are present but they've been like very high bar events with like glam and security and all the things this was like a dive bar on the east side where you at it wasn't a dive bar but it was just, like an east side like lower east side east village like bar where like Katy Perry Luke Bryan Lionel Richie and Ryan Seacrest all just like were present Um, which is absolutely insane. And all I can really say and like my big takeaway is that I've had the privilege and opportunity to meet so many cool people in this space in the past few years. And I would never, ever talk bad about anybody ever online or even like I don't really I obviously love to talk shit, but I don't really like to gossip. I think there's a difference. Um, Actually file that away for things to to think more critically about the difference between talking shit and gossip. But I've had unfavorable experiences with like high bar famous people before and I would never specifically say who because I know everybody has bad days and I just like don't I don't like to talk badly about people but what what I will say is that these four were not only the nicest celebrities I've ever come in contact with but some of the nicest people I've ever come in contact with first of all they like they could have just like come and been friendly but no they're walking around shaking hands taking photos asking where are you from what do you do for a living like it was so refreshing I don't even see people like just like you and I like regular gals acting that way like acting so friendly and gracious and lovely and like I don't know normal but also in such like a heightened way where like their kindness was so like forward-facing I've never had an experience like that with people like it was just like out of out of body Katy Perry specifically is like so pretty like and nice and just like it's just such a lovely time to meet people that you look up to and you support in some way and know that they're really good people like at their core on the deepest level and so that was a really really special experience that I feel really lucky to have had um And yeah, I just, I can't believe I get to do things like that, but I also can't believe that like someone like Katy Perry, who I've been so obsessed with for so long is just like so nice. Like, let's all be honest. She has put out every banger to ever exist. Like nobody does it like her. She's just incredible. And then honestly, like I've seen people giving her backlash about how she judges on idol. And I'm like, who cares? Like the thespians are like, listen, like I'm a thespian as well, but like 
hottest take i think we need to stop being fragile like people literally had a meltdown when Katy perry was like i'm gonna slap the thespian out of you on american idol like okay is it really that deep who cares like yeah she's wrong musical theater training is like probably next to opera the best way to train your voice the healthiest like the way that you can sing with the most i don't know like intelligence like it just everybody knows that relax kind of like it made us look so silly when everybody's on tiktok like melting down like there is no respect for the musical theater performer like yeah there really isn't people bully us guys like we were all in the drama club we all got fucking bullied is it okay no is it gonna end i don't see it ending like own being a thespian own that you're gonna get tossed around a little bit build a bridge and go watch a youtube video of ben platt singing like we're all gonna be fine that's my personal take on that i know it's a hot take but like I really think there's a time and a place to get worked up about something and people bullying the thespians isn't one of them. Like it's part of the job description. Oh, we're thespians. We're about to get a little bullied. And you know what? It makes us better. A light, unconsequential bullying to the thespians. It just makes us stronger. It makes us a more united front. It makes us better performers, better writers. It makes us just better. So all around, thank you, Katy Perry, for bullying the thespians. You're making us better and brighter every single day. I almost asked her about that, but then I was like, eh, I don't want to bother her. Like, I don't want her to like, I don't want her to be upset that I brought it up because maybe she is upset at all the thespians freaking out online. I don't know. I don't want her to think that I'm like, I'm a fan. Like, I want her to know I'm a fan. Like, I need to stick to fangirling and not like being contentious in any way. Also, Lionel Richie is like genuinely father. Like, he gives such like dad, like kind, comforting energy. I just love him. I love all of them. I love Idol. I was a deeply, 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 deeply unwell child who like only watched idol from seasons like one to at least 15 like just straight up the gamut like when i was like four years old five years old six years old like i was obsessed i literally remember where i was sitting when kelly clarkson won and sang or not kelly clarkson carrie underwood won and saying i want to be inside your heaven so that was truly a wonderful experience um in terms of my reading update i'm still reading free food for millionaires and the kindle has really grown on me like I've said this before, but I love that I can stick it in my purse. I love that my ADHD brain can be so nourished by the ability to just casually switch from book to book. I'm not abandoning the real book. You guys know that I love a book and like whatever, but I want to walk back the statements that I made when I was like 16 being like, I will never have an e-reader. Like, oh, like I literally thought I was Ernest fucking Hemingway out here. Like, no, bitch. Like, it's convenient as hell. You can read as much as you want. You can read all the time. It allows you to read more than you would read otherwise because you can bring it with you in your purse, like in your random crossbody bag. It fits into it. Like I would literally judge people who had Kindles. Like I would, I was out here making Instagram captions in the seventh grade about like, oh, if you have a Kindle, like you've sold your soul, like really like build a bridge. Like I needed to build a bridge because now I'm obsessed with my Kindle and I don't like my Kindle more than I like a book. Like if you gave me the option to be sitting on a porch with a glass of Sancerre as the sun sets and the air is like a crisp, like 60 degrees and I'm under a blanket and you said, do you want a Kindle or do you want a book? I'm choosing two or three books because with my brain, I need to switch between books. I, I always read more than one book at once in case I get like a little bit like, okay, I'm running out of attention for this one. Let's go to this one. I would always pick a book. But that being said, I need to walk back my seventh grade self statements like online and in the ether where I was like, 
turning my nose up. Like if you read a Kindle, you aren't really a reader. That's insane. Like I was clinically unwell. I love my Kindle now. I'm a Kindle girly for life and I am reading Free Food for Millionaires on my Kindle and it is so good. But I will say I bought the hard copy of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow because I did feel like I wanted that in my repertoire, like on my bookshelf. So that's the update on my Kindle. I have the Kindle Oasis and I need a case for it. So if anybody has any case ideas, slide into the DMs. Um, so that's my reading update. Um, other things that I've been loving in the past week, hair perfume. This is a new thing for me. I was sent a hair perfume by Ava Jane NYC, which is like a hair company that I really like. And it smelled so luscious and luxurious, like gorgeous. So I got another one after that because I was like, I loved it. I also have a bit of an issue with asking brands for refills on things. I know a lot of influencers do that. I know that's probably like the approach I should be taking, but like, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. You guys know I don't like asking for things. Like I'm very non-confrontational in that way. And so I didn't ask for a refill. I just bought one. And honestly, I would do it again. And that's proof that I would do it again. Like I really like hair perfume. I think it's a nice way to just like get your scent like I don't know. It's like a nice mild scent, like a spritz that you can have in your hair. And it's just very like sexy and feminine to me. The other thing that I've been actively using is the Hatch Alarm Clock. I know that I saw some people showing dupes on TikTok that are a bit cheaper if you're interested in getting an alarm clock that's similar. But basically what it does is it puts you to sleep with these like gentle soundscapes and like sort of like a sunset like light display. And my favorite soundscape is the campfire. And then it wakes you up gradually in the morning with like um, a sunrise and it's like really bright on the alarm. So it like slowly wakes you up with light and then it like gradually wakes you up with sound and it's so soothing and it's honestly been really helping me to get up a little bit earlier. So I've been really enjoying that. You guys know I've been fucking with my poppy like raspberry rose is the best flavor but watermelon is also really good. Mm, and swoon too like if you want more of a, like an iced tea lemonade go for swoon but if you want more of like a you know whatever go for poppy and it's crazy like on my um burner tiktok if you haven't found it yet go find it i was like talking about poppy and somebody was like this is giving disordered eating and i'm like is liking something that's like healthy giving disordered eating now like is that where we are in the world like i'm just saying i like to have my poppy with my chipotle which is covered in cheese sour cream chips the whole fucking nine yards and they're both healthy in different ways and nourishing and good like it just drives me crazy like if someone said like oh one of my favorite snacks is like I like love carrot sticks and hummus but also like my other favorite snack is like chocolate chip cookies like all of a sudden you're you're giving disordered eating because you like carrots like no I did not say that the only drink that I've ever drunk drank in my whole life is a poppy like I just said I like it like I, I I really feel like people on TikTok need to grow up it's like What's wrong with you? Like being obsessed with like a kombucha isn't disordered eating. If all you had today was a kombucha, that's disordered eating. Like if all you had today was a poppy, yeah, that's disordered eating. But like to just like something that's healthy, like it really is crazy to me. And I think that this goes along with like the Gwyneth Paltrow gate of it all that's currently going on with like her bone broth thing. Like I am in no way support of her in support of her diet. I'm in no way suggesting that anybody should do that diet. I don't think it sounds healthy, but it's fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. What would you have liked her to do? Lie? Say, oh, my favorite on a day-to-day basis, I wake up, I have pizza, um, a milkshake, burgers. Like, that's not true. Like, maybe we should be looking at, like, society and, like, what drove her to this point. And, like, maybe the problem is that she's profiting off of it and not that, like, 
that's what she does. She just told the truth. Like, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying I'm encouraging it, but like, I'm not fucking, I didn't watch that and get motivated to stop eating. Like, I don't know. I just think people really need to stay in their lane. Like, I'm not saying the criticism of Gwyneth is wrong. I'm just saying some of it is misplaced because like, yes, we should be criticizing her profiting off of that toxic behavior. Perhaps we should be criticizing the toxic behavior, but would you have liked her to lie? Like she just told the truth. Like, I don't know what people want. Like, are we not allowed to eat healthy foods anymore? It's like, it's really like gone so far, but yeah, I'm staying here to say that I fucking love Poppy and it's not giving disordered eating to like a probiotic soda and you too can like a probiotic soda. I'm also like, in a deep chipotle era to the point where i'm having it three to five times a week like it's getting to a point where it's it's a hyperfixation thing and the thing about chipotle for me is that it will be sort of a <clears throat> hyperfixation thing for a while and then it will just become a regular like once or twice a week thing so i'm in a hyperfixation era with it it happens um but it's like my favorite food like i'm thinking about it right now and i'm wondering like could i have it for dinner tonight but i also had it for dinner last night i had my leftovers from the night before and before you guys start no, I didn't split one bowl. I got two bowls the first night because I was starving and I didn't finish the second one. And I like basically got two different orders and I finished like three fourths of the first one and like a two half of the second one. And then I combined them. Honestly, I should do that thing that like the meal preppers are doing. Well, they're not really the meal preppers. They're just like being sly on TikTok where they like get Chipotle catering for a week and it's like all their meals. Like that kind of feels like the direction we're heading in with that. Um, so that's kind of like my current hyperfixations of the moment. Okay. So other things I was at home last week with the puppy. Um, puppies are hard work. <laughs> I, my whole life I've wanted to rescue a dog. My family rescued a bunch of dogs when I was growing up. We always had like three dogs. Two of them were rescues, one from a puppy mill, one from like a house that was like hoarding. To I guess that's similar to a puppy mill, but they were both rescues. Um, and I always thought that I was going to rescue a dog, but I've decided now that I'm going to be rescuing an older dog, like middle age to older, because number one, it depresses me to no end that those dogs aren't finding homes at the leisure at which younger dogs are. But secondly, because I, I, puppies are too much for me. They're out of control, out of control. And you can't take your eyes off of them. And you would think that it would be easier to like, take care of a puppy than a baby but I actually think it's opposite I nannied for a baby for a year starting when she was like two and a half three months old literally give me her any day of the week over a puppy like obviously I did a great job with him like he's fine Winnie is thriving but like I don't think I'm gonna be babysitting for him again until like I don't know until like until he's a bit older give me like eight months because he's like so rambunctious right now and it's almost too much for me to handle um but I had a really nice time at home to spend time with my brother, had to go home for some family stuff too. Unfortunately that's going on, but everyone's going to be okay. Send some good vibes. Um, but we played like a lot of board games. We played monopoly and it was very competitive and like highly fun. I can't recommend monopoly enough. Um, and overall it was just a really great week at home. Some rest, some relaxation. Um, I'm leaving on Thursday to go to Arlington with the Arlington, Texas tourism board. And we are having a little weekend in Arlington. We're going to the Eras tour and Allie's coming with me. And I'm really excited and very thankful to the tourism board for hosting me this weekend. It's going to be really fun. Everyone knows I love my Texas cities. Austin is my favorite city in the world. And so I just can't wait to kind of have the experience in Arlington slash Dallas. I've actually never been. I've been to Houston now like seven or eight times. Austin, probably the same. Um, and Austin is like by far and away my favorite city in the world. 
I just have the best vibes from there and like that it's my favorite um but yeah that's kind of where I'm at with that and my upcoming things I have a little life update for you guys before we get into the meat of the episode um most of you know I've been at my current apartment for about two years now and I was actually going to stay for a third year but with the book pre-order happening I am traveling for all of July and then the tour will be starting in the beginning of next year and will go on for a while there'll be a lot of travel for press and whatnot I just decided that I didn't think it was super apt for me to have an, a, a rent in New York City that I'm paying through the year when I'm not really going to be in New York City for a vast majority of it, at least a month this summer, if not more, but probably more. And then from December through like April of next year, like not much at all. Um, so I made the decision that I will be moving out of my apartment and I'm going to be doing kind of like a hybrid situation. I'm going to be like pretty much living with my boyfriend, having some stuff at my parents um, and having a storage unit for some of my other stuff. I have a lot of things and I am not ready to find a permanent like place for myself yet. Um, and like I've always said to you guys, I don't really know like how much, how long in my life I want to live in New York. I never actually intended to move to New York at all. I lived here um, for a summer for an internship and didn't really like it. And I wanted something else. But the way the pandemic shook out, uh, the only opportunities I really had were in New York. So it felt like the universe was calling me here. And now I'm so grateful that the universe did call me here. But my life plan never really had New York in it, which is so funny because now I feel like it's so inextricable from my life. Um, and I love New York now and I f have a newfound love for it, but I still don't see myself here forever. Um, and so I think like I'm just going to see where it goes. So I'll be... Um, leaving my current apartment in June and kind of like diversifying what kind of stuff I need at my boyfriend's, what kind of stuff will be at my parents, what kind of stuff will be in a storage unit, all that good stuff. And then just seeing where the wind blows me. Um, in July, I will be in London and Italy um, celebrating my 25th birthday and my best friend's graduation. And then in August, I'm going to be home in Jersey a lot because my brother's coming home um, for the month and it'll just be really nice to be with family. And then we have the fall and then we're revving up into the book coming out and all of the good things. And so I'm very excited. I feel like it's going to be really refreshing um, to have a larger space for my content. I literally am obsessed with the apartment that I've lived in for the past two years and my bedroom, but I have so much stuff that it's become so cluttered in my bedroom even as I try to minim minimize as much as possible that I just I feel like my content takes a hit because of it just because the backgrounds never look super clean and I don't have a lot of space to make content. Um, and yeah, I'm just really grateful that I've had this apartment for two years. I'm grateful for the experiences in it. I love my roommates to death. We all love each other. Like I think there's like nothing negative or bad there. Like it's really special to have people in your life who are celebrating your growth and you're celebrating theirs um, and it's just been like an immense privilege to live with people that are so lovely and so close to me and my best friends and I just like can't wait for this next chapter um, so I'm really excited so I probably won't be sharing a lot of content about the move itself it's just like it's stressing me out already because I have to decide like what things I imminently need what things will be going in storage what things will be going into my bedroom at my parents house like I, I need to like obviously because my boyfriend already lives in the space that he's in um, but there will be a room for my, um, content, kind of like a podcast studio, kind of like, a, I don't know, office, which is really, really nice for me. Um, I'm going to take over that room and that will just be lovely and refreshing. And obviously you guys will see that, but I'm not going to share a lot of content about the move also because, you know, like I say, I like to keep some of my private life private and that will be one of the things, but I'm excited and you guys will be obviously seeing a change of scenery in the summer. 
Um, but that's all for now. I don't really know. Like I never really make like myself five year plans, two year plans, one year plan. All I know like right now is like, I'm just trying to do what's most convenient for me. And I cannot have a year long lease in New York when I'm not going to be here for like half the year. And because my boyfriend's lease isn't a year because he's already been there, it's really helpful. And then we can make decisions like when his lease goes up and my lease goes up in July and I'm um, not here in July and I am like, it's just stressful. And then it's like the whole thing of like, okay, well, if I was going to get my own place, do they have like a lease that's not fully 12 months or would I want to sublet? But then like you're dealing with figuring out subletting and then you're dealing with like having to get furniture, um, which I don't have any of. And it's like this whole big, huge, you know, thing. And so I was like, all right, if I'm not going to be here in July, my lease is going up in July. I'm not going to get my own place. It's too much hassle. And there's too much going on in my life to do that. So I'm trying to do what's best for my career, what's best for me, what's best for my relationships, what's best for my friendships, my family relationships, and what's best for you guys so that I'm not like a wreck. And so that's what we're doing. So that's all you, that's all she wrote. That's all for now. Okay, and now that we have done what we have done, let's dive into this week's episode all about spring cleaning. So I wanted to start off by telling you guys the history of spring cleaning because I think it's really interesting, but also it has real cultural relevance. And I feel like it's really difficult and it's very constant that this happens and you see it all the time, like the whitewashing of and the westernization of, you know, traditions and rituals and practices that are so cultural and so imminent and important to certain cultures and areas of the world that we just take over here like for example yoga and just like make our own thing or like the gua sha even skincare in general basically all of wellness and so I did want to give you guys the history because I think that's so important and integral to know and just also like helps us to have a conversation that's really um like uh, that's smart and sort of um nuanced in a way so basically the history of spring cleaning the oldest that we can trace back the idea of spring cleaning is about 3,000 years ago to a tradition called shaking the house and it is a very um, important thing in Persian culture specifically and it was believed during the Persian new year that sweeping and removing clutter would prevent bad luck or so I've read online Um, I tried to get good sources and source material so basically from what I've read basically that's the oldest we can trace it back to Persian culture and quote shaking the house unquote for the Persian New Year. There's also some like Judeo-Christian roots. Um, basically, when the Israelites were liberated from Egypt, better known as Passover, um, in the Torah, there's a suggestion to like clean the entire home during Passover. So that's another one. There's also some Buddhist traditions, including like purification rituals to clean oneself and your homes to purify spaces. And I also found some biological explanations when I was doing my research. So basically. In the winter, our bodies produce more melatonin. I didn't even know our bodies produced melatonin. But basically, our bodies produce more melatonin for longer nights in the winter time than it does in the summertime. And hence, we are like sleepier, we are lazier, we're more tired. So as we head towards spring and the sun sort of like re-energizes us, it makes sense that we want to come out of hi- hibernation and like our instinct would be to clean and like declutter. Um And so those are some of like the historical backgrounds that I found. Again, don't shoot the messenger. This is stuff that I looked up online. I double checked my sources, but you never know. So if anybody has like an amendum to any of that and is like, that's wrong. I'm a scientist. Please, please come into the DMs. Um, But I wanted to start off by talking about physical spring cleaning in the way that we kind of view spring cleaning at its face level today. And then I want to get into like sort of emotional and mental well-being and spring cleaning for our brains. But basically... 
spring cleaning, physical stuff, physically getting in there and cleaning up your space. I think this is a really important practice because I think that so often we don't even realize that our space reflects how our mind feels. So if we kind of push ourselves to keep our space tidy and clean as much as we possibly can within our own abilities, um, we'll feel more at ease. Whereas if our space is total chaos, we feel less at ease. And so I think spring cleaning is something that we can physically do to actually really benefit our mental health. Um, but I'm going to give sort of like a rundown. I tried to like organize how I would spring clean, how I'm going to spring clean. I think spring cleaning is best suited for a Saturday in March or April. Take the whole day if you can set aside an entire day, get up, set that alarm at like 7am and make plans for like a soft 5.30, 6pm so that you have something to look forward to all day so it's not just like cleaning and then I'm gonna die it's like cleaning and then we're gonna go out and have fun or then we're gonna go get Mexican food or whatever it is that you want to do the day before I think you need to hit a target and get everything that you're gonna need in case you need cleaning supplies I don't know how long it's been for you um and one of those things does need to be a new shower curtain liner because I know yours is gross and they're like two dollars and they're plastic so please get one of those um and the first thing we need to do is kind of create a schedule or a list of things that need to get done in terms of spring cleaning and I'm going to do more like of a high level I'm going to give spring cleaning tactics for all types of people people that have literally no time and can only set aside an hour or two people that have all day and people that have all week okay so we're kind of going to go for the people that have all day first so I've broken down it into like five sections cabinets closets clutter surfaces and floor I think that those are like the five things that we need to be hitting so cabinets what do I mean um junk drawers pantries even like the fridge could be included in this um where your silverware is dishes all that stuff your like linen closet if you have one of those or just like a junk closet um coat closet etc those would be included in cabinets. When I say closets, I mean more clothing, shoes, clothes, accessories, clutter. I just mean like your medicine basket in your bathroom or like your desk space or, you know, your living room like table that just gets stuff thrown on it all the time and you haven't even opened all that mail. Surfaces, I just mean like windowsills, windows, tables, oven top, like um ledges anything like that that you could clean off and then floor is floor um so we also need to have a donation box a trash bag and a recycling bag because we're going to try to go about this as green as possible really you shouldn't be throwing out anything that isn't trash that's like a standard rule for this um and the donation box is going to be things that we're donating that we find that we don't need and we have to make peace with giving them away some other things that are just minor that kind of fall outside of this if you're taking notes or I don't know what you guys are doing you're gonna have to get in there with your coffee maker Brita blender whatever it is it's dirty and it has a filter clean it the air filters and your AC and heat units you do not even realize that you're breathing in dust wash or dryer if you haven't that can start fires if you let it lint up and then of course washing your sheets so all of those things I think are easy to also include and sometimes we forget to do them so when we go out, when we go at this and we're going to tackle our spring cleaning, I want you to open up all your windows, make a really great spring cleaning playlist or queue up a bunch of podcasts. And we're just going to get at it and go through the list and the list cabinets, closets, clutter, surfaces, floor. I actually did an order because floor will always be last and surfaces we want to do after we're like throwing things around, etc. If you have roommates also. It is not embarrassing or like Monica from friends of you to like have a team meeting about this to get a chore chart going and just do it together and have something planned for the end of the day together. If you're doing it alone, that's totally OK, too. If you're doing it in your bedroom and not in the whole space, just have something to like look forward to by the end of the day. And also like 
do the thing like I feel like it's like a classic like oh moving day or like I don't know one of those days that's not like a regular day where you eat a lunch from a deli like a classic deli sandwich and like a classic bag of chips soda like at 1 p.m. like you're gonna need to do that whether or not you're with your roommates but again don't be afraid to be like let's make a chore chart let's be smart about this like we don't need to make it so like oh it's weird to ask our roommates to clean with us like no it's fun this can be a fun activity so if you feel like going above and beyond and you're one of those people who's like, I have a full week, like here are my ideas for the above and beyonders, um, clean all your white shoes. I don't know how many pairs you have, but if you have like white sneakers and white shoes, I feel like we always forget they get so dirty. Shampoo your carpet. If you're into that, I won't be doing any of these. But in case you're like, in case you're going for it, um, the microwave, the fucking microwave, like it needs to be cleaned. Like I actually might do this one. It's getting gross. Cutting boards. That's another thing. They get gross. They get stained. You can get those stains out. Organizing your junk drawer. Now listen, this isn't something so high level for me because I'm like, it's a junk drawer. It's supposed to be junk, but I feel like you can organize it in a way that it's like less junky. Cleaning your makeup brushes, throwing out expired cosmetics, organizing all your purses. This is something I would love to do that I'm probably not going to do. And if you have the ability, financial ability or time going green with products, just finding like organic things and things that are better for um, the environment. Um, and just keep in mind while you're cleaning that like it sucks to clean right now in the moment while we're cleaning. Like we're probably not having fun. Maybe we're having a little fun, but like spring cleaning physical spring cleaning isn't necessarily fun unless you're somebody that has great joy in cleaning but if we're doing this big overhaul like we've been discussing and if we're gonna follow my little schedule and like my little chart I set up for you guys it's really not gonna be like a great fun time like you'd rather be laying on a beach relaxing than cleaning your apartment or home but think about when you're done how amazing it's gonna feel to have your space be so calm and clear like when you're done cleaning you're gonna be so glad you did it and it takes one day two days at max like three four days to get all of this done so that the rest of the year is on the right foot like literally you're taking a few hours of your time to do the spring cleaning so that you feel good and productive and positive for so much longer so it's like the work sucks but the reward is so much greater than ever imaginable so just keep that mindset while you're going through this because it's not going to be fun but we're going to get there together I do think that physical spring cleaning like going through your space and cleaning is so important because I feel like our space really reflects how we're feeling mentally so if you're living in a state of chaos and that doesn't make you feel good you're going to end up mentally feeling worse if you're already anxious or stressed or whatever you have going on but if you live in a space that to your abilities and within your own reason is as organized and delightful as possible for you you're mentally going to take that kind of weight off yourself that being said well I feel like physical spring cleaning is so important. I feel like it is not even a drop in the bucket compared to mental and emotional and spiritual spring cleaning, which is like kind of how I've always viewed spring cleaning and how I feel like a lot of people in many cultures view spring cleaning. And that's what I really wanted to talk about today, because once we're done with the physical spring cleaning stuff, we're going to do that emotional, mental sort of spring cleaning work. And I'm going to share how I do it and how I've broken it down. And it's really been so lucrative and helpful for me. I feel like objectively our mental health is worst in the winter like if we polled everybody and was like when is your mental health the worst when do you struggle the most throughout the year most people would say the winter the days are shorter it's darker it's cold depending on where you live but you know what I mean it's called seasonal depression for a reason so when we get to spring and there's vitamin d and the sun's out and the day is longer and we can wear you know warm weather clothes naturally we're gonna feel automatically better like on that first spring day the sun is shining. The birds are chirping. You're going to feel like I'm ready to get fucked. Like I'm ready to like 
go out and meet someone and fall in love. Like I'm ready for this to be the best day of my life. Do you know what I mean? Like we will automatically feel better on the first spring day. That being said, we're not just like changed humans overnight. We might feel better, but then, you know, those first few days of spring are going to wear off that like spring, like head rush almost. It's like a, it's like a spring, like drug hit like of adrenaline and once that wears off though we're not going to be changed humans like we'll feel better that it's nicer out but it's the kind of thing that like when you get super good news when you've been in like a depressive episode or you've been feeling super anxious it's kind of like okay now I have the good news but I don't feel any different like I just feel like the same person I was emotionally and mentally but with the good news I feel like happiness a lot of people see it as something that we were like born into it's like our homeostasis, our baseline, and it should definitely be. We should strive for that, but we have to work for it. Nothing good ever came just like for free. And by for free, I don't mean like paying for it and like monetarily. I mean like nothing great in life ever came without a little bit of work. And so when we work for our happiness and we attain it, it feels so fucking great because we know we worked for it. So let's talk today about how we can work for that happiness. And I do want to give my same disclosure that I already always give in episodes like this where it's just like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed in any way. This is just my advice for spring cleaning for your brain. Um, this is what makes me feel good. It doesn't have to make you feel good. Maybe it'll inspire you to find out what makes you feel good. But if you're really struggling with mental health, obviously this isn't going to fix it overnight. It might make your depression or anxiety a bit easier to manage. And that's what I felt for myself. But remember, therapy is gold. We love professional help. All the things. Okay. So first thing I need you to do is take a deep cleansing breath with me right now. That actually felt really good. If you didn't do it, you should. Um, and just be gentle with yourself, right? Like you made it. You got through the winter. It sucked. It blew. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it was the best season of your life. I don't know who you are, but I know that for the most of us, we got through the winter, right? We made it. You're here. You're alive. Welcome back. Take that deep cleansing breath. Like anytime you feel out of control, I need you to take three deep cleansing breaths because guess what? Now we're going to, we're going to lock into making this season of spring, like who cares spring, hot girl spring, the best fucking just like time of your life. Like the spring is springing. Like we're making a thing into a thing and that thing is spring period. End of story. The first thing I need you to do for our emotional and mental spring cleaning I need you to get a really good notebook, a really good pen and a really good attitude because this is going to be fun. Like we are, I literally cannot express it enough. I don't have a word for it yet, but making a thing into a thing is my shit. Like I will look at like my life and be like, all right, I'm feeling like crap. The winter really did me in, but I've made it. I'm here. It's spring. I want to do some emotional and mental spring cleaning. Like I'm going to make this into a thing. Like I'm going to make this a moment, a performance, a production. Like I'm going to make this a personality trait. I'm going to go above and beyond with this. Like then it becomes fun because you're sort of like holding your own self accountable and exciting yourself about something like Sometimes we have to excite ourselves about things. So like get excited because why not? Okay. And this is what we're going to do. It's five things. We're going to break it down. We're going to go through each one and we're going to fucking do it. We're going to clean up our habits. We're going to recenter our creative projects or passions. We're going to let the fuck go, especially of past emotions. We're going to be intentionally selfish and we're going to refresh our goals and priorities. And now we're going to get into it. We're going to look into all five of these things and how we can do it. But you really need that journal, girl, girl get the journal. Trust me. You'll be happier that you have it because we're taking notes and we're reclaiming our life and our space and our joy, period. 
So number one, let's talk habits. Okay. There's a lot of books on habits. There's like atomic habits, whatever. I don't like self-help books. I like books that have self-helpiness to them, like a glow in the fucking dark Tara Schuster, like a Glennon Doyle untamed, but that's not like a dedicated self-help book. That's like an essay book that has self-help peppered in. That's kind of my style. But if you want to read atomic habits, go for it. I hear it's very helpful, but Looking at our habits, our bedtime habits, our morning habits, our eating habits, our exercise habits, our social habits, and we're going to look at all of them. I want you to write them all out. Here are my morning habits, my night habits. Here are some habits that I do on a daily basis. Here are just like habitual things that happen in my life. What feels good and what doesn't? Let's like, let's make this as simple as we possibly can. Looking at all of our habits, all the habitual things that happen on a day-to-day basis and asking what feels good and what doesn't. We're starting there. And I'm not asking you to be like, it doesn't feel good to go to work because I hate working. Like a lot of people hate working and that's so understandable. I'm more so saying, okay, this form of exercise always leaves me feeling like competitive and weird and I don't like the vibes. Whereas this form of exercise makes me feel really good. Or like, you know, this habit of like, um, I don't know, watching six hours of TV every night isn't making me feel good, but I notice I do feel good when I read 20 pages of a book. Maybe it's not that obvious to you, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, there are are really obvious things that don't make us feel good. Blacking out drunk. Nobody ever felt good doing that. So that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm more so saying, make it really simple, write out all your habits and say, okay, what do I walk away from feeling better, improved, just good. And what doesn't feel good? Start there. If something doesn't feel good, And it's not like something that we have to do to survive. We're not doing it anymore. Like if if spending time with certain people makes you feel like crap, we're not doing it anymore. You don't have to do that. There's you're keeping yourself there unless you have to do this thing to survive and keep yourself afloat. Unless it's mandatory. If it doesn't make you feel good, we're throwing it out. We're throwing it out with the trash. Okay, something makes you feel badly about yourself for whatever reason you're in the driver's seat with the ability to flip the switch and also like change the script. You're the only person that gets that. So what feels good and what feels bad? For me, one thing I want to start doing more of is working out in the morning. I find that I prefer my days so much when I work out in the morning. Sometimes I just wake up and I don't want to go. I don't feel like going and I decide I'm going to do it in the afternoon. And it's not like one of those days where I wake up deciding I don't want to work out and then I don't work out. That's not what I'm saying. It's one of the days where I know I'm going to work out. I'm challenging myself to go do a workout and I wake up in the morning and I try to put it off even though it consistently is a worse day when I wake up at three, when I work out at 3 PM, I I consistently have a worse day. I prefer working out in the morning, but I've gotten into the habit of putting it off and working out in the afternoon. And that does not feel good to me. It really doesn't like every time I do it, like, of course, when I leave the workout, I feel better, but it doesn't feel good to me to align my days like that. So I'm going to start figuring out how to change that habit into working out in the morning more consistently. I'm not going to put this like scary pressure on myself to get up at 5 a.m. every day and work out, but I'm going to try more consistently to schedule my workouts at 7 and 8 a.m. instead of 2 and 3 p.m. I just prefer it. I know I do, and I've fallen into a habit of not doing what I prefer and what feels good. Ways that I'm making this work for me right now, I got a hatch alarm clock. It's really been helping me sleep better and more deeply and like wake up more naturally. And I'm going to find an accountability partner who wants to get up with me and go to those workout classes. And I'm going to start rising earlier and booking those classes. I'm going to make a thing, a goddamn fucking thing this spring. I'm excited about it. I'm dropping in. Okay. It takes about 30 days to change a habit and then it becomes routine. So you might have to really be a stickler. Like I know I'm going to have to be a stickler with all of this and I'm going to do it. And that's fine. We sort of have to just be like honest with ourselves in this moment because like, I am the reason why I put off my workouts and 
do them at 2 and 3 p.m. And it's really just because I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I could stay in bed longer. Like, oh, I'll just go get a coffee. Like the coffee's ready after the workout. You know you prefer your days when you get the workout done in the morning. And I think being honest with myself to realize I put myself in the position to be unhappy with my schedule was tough. Like we, I had to be honest with myself and kind of like break it down. But we really have to be so aware of what doesn't feel right and write it all down. Like you have your notebook now, write all of this down. What feels good? Does yoga feel good? Okay. We're going to yoga more often. Sometimes we just forget to do the things that make us feel good. Like, Oh, that hanging out with that friend felt really good that one time. Let's go do it. Lighting a candle after work is something that makes you feel really good. Light your candle. Don't be like, well, that's not going to make my day better. Like we love to like, we love to hype ourselves up to like be miserable a little bit. Like we love to do the thing of like, Oh, I've had such a shit day at work. I'm just going to go home and sulk. But it's like, what if like, you love that candle. You you like to light it after work. Instead of going home and sulking and you're allowed to be in a bad mood, you're in your bad mood. You get home, light your candle. That's a candle that brings you peace. Light it. Just see how your mood changes. Or instead of being like, oh, boohoo, like this all blue, all these things, like take a deep breath. One of those cleansing breaths we talked about. Light your candle and see what happens. Like sometimes we, we, we're feeling badly and we forget how easy it could be to make ourselves feel marginally better. I'm not saying change a bad mood into a good one. That's unrealistic. And sometimes I think that we need to be in bad moods. We need to sit with our bad moods. Like we have to let ourselves be in bad moods and give ourselves permission for that. But how can we make that mood marginally better? Not fixed, not changed, just marginally better. Okay. Number two, we're going to recenter our projects and our passions. Getting sidetracked is probably the most normal thing ever. It happens to me all the time. Um, I get sidetracked with my creative projects and my passions all the time. But now the sun is shining, like things are in bloom, like not to be so like annoying, but follow the metaphor, like things are blooming, like nature is healing, like all that shit, like go have a fucking Aperol spritz, like seriously, like go have an Aperol spritz outside with a notebook and tell me you're not feeling creative. And here's one thing about creativity. Everybody is creative. I literally hate when people are like, oh, I'm not very creative. No, you are. It's just in order to exercise your own creativity, you have to find out what inspires you. And that might be a little bit harder. For other people, it was innate. For me, I always knew what inspired me and what my creative outlets were. Some people need to kind of like dig for their creativity. But honestly, those creatives might even be better creatives because they had to work to like get it out of them. That was so like acting teacher who doesn't wear shoes of me to say. But you guys know what I'm saying. Like, you need to find your creativity and mine for it. You have to figure out what inspires you. Again, be intentional. What feels good? What did you love when you were a kid? What like, what do you want out of being creative? Do you want it to be sold or shared or like adored or seen by others? Or is this something for you and like for healing a part of you? What are your craziest dreams for being creative? If it doesn't excite you and it feels like a chore at all, we're not doing it, period, end of story. Like if you're a writer and you're writing a book and the story doesn't excite you, depart from that story. I mean, unless you have the book deal and you're doing the thing and then like get through it, I guess. But like, you know what I mean? Like, if some idea doesn't really excite you, don't waste your time on it. And you have to, this is something that I really had to find within myself because I used to think creativity and my creative pursuits were sort of like a fun hobby and not serious and not real. 
that's bullshit. Creativity is serious. It is a real thing. And I think you need to make creativity a part of your routine in the same way that you do with obligations that we feel serious about our jobs or our relationships or going to the gym, like creativity and being creative and finding time to be creative is equal, if not greater than those things. And I'm not saying like add it into your routine in a way that you dread it, but add it into your routine. Like I'm taking this seriously. This is a serious part of my routine for me, just so that you're not feeling guilty for spending time and energy with the creative side of yourself and for honing whatever it is that inspires you. Being creative is not like a cherry on top. It is the whole meal. And there are obviously going to be times when like the creativity doesn't strike and you like don't feel like painting or whatever it is that you're doing to be creative and inspire yourself. But so I'm not saying like make it like a to-do list thing. But what I'm really just saying is like allow yourself that space and allow yourself that time There are many ways that one can be creative, ideas that come to mind, writing a movie, writing a play, writing a poem, a book, a story, painting, drawing, doing pottery, cooking, baking, building recipes, singing, learning a new instrument, sewing, crocheting, knitting, making clothes, like designing them. There are so many ways to be creative. Start on Pinterest and go from there. I know you're going to kill it. And it's spring. You deserve that. Okay, number three, we need to let it the fuck go let it go. We're letting it go. Truly think about it. Okay. Think about this. Think this through with me. Let's say you have a shirt in your closet. You genuinely have not worn this shirt in a year and a half. You have told yourself that you might wear it several times over the course of this year and a half and you haven't worn it. That shirt will find a better life elsewhere. Put it in a box and let it go. Donate it. Give it the fuck away. If you make peace with it and let it go, First of all, you're going to be inspired to let other things go that aren't serving you and are just taking up space and being dead weight, but you have room for things that you want to invite into your life, but have felt like you weren't able to invite into your life. I'm not suggesting that you let something go that you are working through or hanging on when you're not ready to let it go. I'm su- I'm just suggesting that the shit that you've kept around, like that shirt, because you think, oh, I might revisit it. You're not going to. You're not going to. We got to be so fucking for real with ourselves right now. Let the shit go that you're tired of holding on to, that is taking up space, that is bringing darkness and negativity into your world, that is dead weight, just hanging there, just sitting there. Ask yourself, like, sit with yourself and ask yourself, is there anything else that I can suck from this breakup or have I made my peace with it? Does it it's okay if you're not fully moved on, but am I ready to let it go? Am I ready to let it, let go when I said that thing that really hurt someone else, have I, have I healed? Have I learned from that? Am I ready to let it go and not just marinate with the same exact thoughts I've been having that aren't really progressing in any way? This friendship that ended, am I ready to let it go? I really want you to ask yourself with each of these things that you've been hanging on to, what purpose is having this around still serving me? And if you have a purpose, like I'm what purpose is that that conversation that we had when we were breaking up? Like I've been harping on it forever. Let's just say that's what it is. You had a conversation when you were breaking up. You said some things you didn't mean. Let's say that you've healed from it. You've made peace with it. You've learned your lesson from it, but it's still hanging around and you're still harping on it and thinking about it. What purpose is having that around still serving? Is there anything else you can glean from it? If you find out you're still healing, great. But if it's dead fucking weight, it's time to just let it go. And when you let go of something and you release something, what you really have to do is be intentional. When you start thinking about that thing again, nope, I let it go. I let it go. It's not in my house anymore. It's not invited here for the dinner party. It's not a piece of furniture anymore. It's not something that comforts me. It's not something that is bringing me lessons or bringing me anything else. It's taking up space that I don't have, that I want to fill with other things. Release it. Set an intention to move ahead from it. Even the smallest thing, like, okay, think about 
when you're wearing an outfit and you have a bra, a certain bra on with it and the bra strap is j- digging into your shoulder, like that's kind of like much smaller issue than if like the whole outfit is too tight and like you can't breathe, right? But it's still digging at you. And eventually it's irritating you, irritating you, irritating you, all you can think about all of a sudden. Think about that with like these minor things that you're holding in your life that you haven't let go of yet. Let it the fuck go, baby. This is something that we need to journal about. We need to be intentional intentional about. There's not much I can do other than tell you let it the fuck go and be intentional about it. But this is something that we need to do for our spring cleaning and it's going to be wonderful. All right. Number three, we're going to be intentionally selfish. It is so hard to be selfish, especially if you don't feel like you're a selfish person And it's hard to intentionally do what you want to do without like voices encroaching on you from outside sources and perspectives. Like I can't express how many decisions I make with the hindsight of others in my mind. And a lot of times I want that, but a lot of times I don't. And when I don't want that is typically the simple things. Like when I'm getting dressed and I put on an outfit that I really like, and then all of a sudden I have these self-doubt thoughts of like, oh, well, will these people like it? Will that person like it? Is this what that person wanted me to wear? What are they wearing? All those things like the smaller things like, oh, like going out to this bar, like, oh, well, I think I'm supposed to because my friends want me to. Well, do you want to? Do you know what I mean? It's just being intentional about doing what you want to do in the smallest and largest of ways without voices encroaching on you from outside sources. And it's hard to like believe yourself and go with your own gut. But this is what we have to do to like release ourselves. So really, you're going to you're going to get so simple with this and you guys are going to kill me. But you're going to be like, okay, do I want to wear this or am I wearing this because I think somebody else wants me to wear it or because I was told I should wear it or because someone one time said I looked good in it. Do I want to order this and eat this at this restaurant or am I doing it because like I saw an Instagram thing and someone else told like, do I want to go do this thing? Do I want to go spend time with this person? Do I actually want this? Can I actually picture myself feeling joy from this? There is like this idea that there's like things that we're meant to do and supposed to do. And that's just like completely false. There is no such thing as supposed to. You're not supposed to do anything except for honor your life and be kind to yourself and others and do your best. And if you're doing that, you're crushing it. There's no supposed to. You're not supposed to get married. You're not supposed to move in with your partner. You're not supposed to do X, Y, or Z. You're supposed to honor your life and be kind to yourself and others and do your fucking best. Like that is all you're supposed to do. And so when we're being intentionally selfish, it's a lot about asking ourselves, do I want to do this? Is this going to honor my life? Is this going to allow me the space to be kind to myself and others? Am I doing this because I want to do it, right? This is a lesson that I had to learn actually pretty recently. And I think the reason that I struggled with this so much is that I thought that putting myself first was some kind of a bad thing. I thought for a really long time that putting myself first was really selfish in a bad way and not that in order for society to function, we all need to be on some level putting ourselves first like 75% of the time because if we're looking out for ourselves, that is community, ends up being community care. And I'm I'm just saying like 75% of the time, not all the time, like 75% of the time you need to be looking out for yourself first and the other 25% of the time, obviously other people and like it's a bit of both. But this was a lesson I had to learn really recently because I just felt like I wasn't really allowed to put myself first. But here's the lesson. People who are happy are not about to punish you for choosing your own happiness, even if your own happiness isn't theirs or doesn't go their way. Right. So, for example, let's just say you're trying to decide between going to two things one night and one thing is like, a night out with your friends and the other thing is a work thing and you really want to see your friends and you see them often and you don't cancel on them a lot okay it's not one of those things where like you not going is going to be like a bad thing for their friendship obviously your friends want to see you so they would prefer it if you went out with them 
that said, if you were like, it's really important for me to go to this work thing and it's, it's, it would make me really happy and feel good to go to this work thing and this work thing isn't harming anybody, they're not going to hate you or villainize you for choosing your own happiness, even if they would rather you have come because you're going to go next time and you always see them and you're a great friend. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of stuff like that where it's just in general, people who are happy are not punishing you for choosing your own happiness as long as your own happiness isn't harming anyone, even if it isn't their idea of happiness or doesn't go their way. People who love you are not going to villainize you for putting yourself first 75% of the time and having a balance between putting yourself first and putting others before you because they're putting themselves first too. For some of us, it's just really hard to do this, but it really sets you free. I had to realize like that a lot of people in my life put themselves first and I need to put myself first too. And we should all be putting ourselves first, not in a selfish way, in just a way that that's the way the world works, that there's a balance between putting yourself first and also putting others first. I'm not saying don't be there for people. I'm just saying that when you prioritize yourself and you're working on yourself and you're choosing your own happiness and you're not just like making yourself so anxious and like feel like inconveniencing yourself for others all the time. I'm not saying like, you know, sometimes you should obviously put other people first. You guys know what I'm saying. All I'm saying is like this is going to set you free because it ends up being community care. When you care for yourself, you're then in turn caring for the others around you as well. All right, baby. And number five, we're going to refresh our goals and priorities. You guys know about the goal list. If you don't, I'm going to refresh you. Basically, it's a to-do list, but for your goals. I don't necessarily love the idea of goals, but I'm struggling to find a new word. I just feel like goals limit or stifle our potential because if your goal is I want to run a marathon in four hours and you train for that, you could have maybe run faster. Maybe that's a bad example, but you know what I mean. I want you to just set desires for yourself and not limit yourself because goals do one, two things. One, they limit you, but two, they pigeonhole you and don't allow you if like you're trying for something like let's just say your goal is a certain job but along the way of achieving that goal you find another job that you liked more but if your goal was to get the one job you might not let yourself go to the other one I just think goals pigeonhole us a little so just set your desires and your intentions for yourself for both the month and the year and things you want to achieve. And we're not being hard on ourselves. If we don't achieve them, that's normal. That's fine. That's not bad in any way. Also, I want you to ask yourself, what the fuck are your priorities? Have you asked yourself that recently? And all priorities are good. Socializing can be a priority. Friends, sex, love, going out, work, career, creativity, um, uh, working out, anything, anything. When I was a senior in college, my priorities are simply not what they are now. Like, when I was a senior in college, my priorities were like going out, hooking up with guys, being with my friends and living in the moment. And now my priorities are like choosing happiness for myself, my friends and my family, my book, my career, like all those things. Like my priorities have shifted. It's we're allowed to change our minds. Our priorities should shift. Otherwise, we're going to get stuck. OK, but really ask yourself what are your priorities? And then sweep out the fucking cobwebs in your brain, baby. Like this is a spinning rock, right? We're on a spinning rock. You need to ask yourself what matters to me? What matters to me? Because what, what matters to you should be what you're centering. What matters to you and your priorities should be what you are centering. Clear the cobwebs out of your brain because so much stuff does not fucking matter on this spinning rock. Like we have so much time, but we also have no time. So get those stagnant thoughts out of your brain. Okay. It's time for fresh perspectives, fresh attitudes. 
fresh vibes and for you to decide what you're trying to prioritize. And if your priorities are different than somebody else's, that's okay. Sometimes you realize that your priorities with like a romantic partner are completely different. And maybe that just means you're not right for each other. You should not reprioritize your entire life completely for somebody else or so that they're comfortable or so that it's convenient for them. You need to ask yourself, what are my priorities? And you need to center those things in your life because that's how you're going to be the happiest. Okay. Also, Block the shit that doesn't feel good. Mark uninterested on that TikTok. Don't follow people that are making you feel bad, that you wouldn't invite into your house for dinner. If you wouldn't, like seriously, if you would not want to sit down with someone and have a dinner with them, why are you following them online? I'm like, I'm, I'm asking genuinely. If it's making you feel like shit and you wouldn't want to sit down for a dinner, and maybe you wouldn't want to sit down for a dinner with everybody you follow, but you know what I mean? Like, if you wouldn't want to see them in person and like say hi, like if you aren't interested in them, you know, knowing who you are and like enjoying each other's company, why do you follow them online? That's the principle that I follow with how I follow people online. I do not hate follow. I'm sorry. I know people like doing that and I'm not villainizing you if you do go for it, I guess. I just don't do it because it doesn't feel good. Every single time I'm watching someone that I don't like or I don't like their content, I feel like crap. And I'm trying in my life to focus on the positive and do things that feel good. So my rule of thumb, and this doesn't have to be yours, but it's mine. If you do not want to have dinner with the person who you're following online, unfollow them. Literally unfollow them. It doesn't make sense. Like, I, I don't know why you would follow somebody online constantly who makes you feel bad or you're following just to be like, oh, I hate them. Oh, my God, I fucking hate them. Like, does that feel good? I don't think it does. That's my rule of thumb. And I think it'll help you to clear out some of the cobwebs in your mind and start reprioritizing you and fresh perspectives that feel good. And I have some final thoughts on all of this. Number one, do not feel guilty for this mental, emotional, spiritual spring cleaning that you're doing for yourself. If you do this for you, everyone around you, your coworkers, your boss, your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, family members, friends, Everyone is going to benefit because when you do self-care intentionally, it becomes community care. Let me say it louder for the people in the back. You cannot feel guilty for prioritizing yourself and doing self-care because everybody is going to benefit when you are the best, happiest, most at peace version of yourself. Self-care can be community care, period, end of story. Also, I want to reiterate that this might not happen overnight for you, okay? This might take a little bit longer. It might take some time, okay? And that's okay. You might not be ready to tackle all five of these. I'm just giving you the option to tackle one or two if you're feeling into it. Or maybe you're not going to tackle any and you're going to say next time, next year I'm going to do it. But this year I'm not feeling it. That's fine too. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to do anything. These are just suggestions. It might take a little time. That's normal. The best things do, okay? And also just remember how you do something is how you do everything. So just be intentional. Be kind to yourself. Live freely, truthfully, wildly. And... It's not like the kind of thing that you need to be like so black and white on. There's a lot of gray space. It, I think that there, there are these trends of like influencing and de-influencing. There's a gray space. You don't have to buy things to do this. You also could buy something if you think it's going to benefit it. You know what I mean? Like there's a lovely gray space. This is all about individualizing your experience of spring cleaning. What works for you feels best for you and what makes you feel the most passionate and inspired on the most simple level. It's rest, it's fresh air, it's hydration, it's exercise, it's some good food, it's fun, it's meditation, and it's maybe buying yourself a little gift. 
I think we can all look at those things and say we can do them. And you deserve to give yourself permission to do them. Okay, to close it out, I took some suggestions from you guys of things to talk about, and I'm going to talk about them. One thing I want to remind you guys of is that for me, spring is a really good time for change. It's kind of like a second new year. So if you find yourself going through a breakup or something during the springtime, I think it's like a really good time to go through a breakup of any kind, a friend breakup, a romantic breakup, a situationship breakup. I also think it's a really good time to start something new. It's just like an era of closing and also of opening up like a flower. And so I just think it's a really good time to have that second new year sort of vibe. And if you didn't feel like the year started on a good foot, now is a really good time to get your footing back. Um, I think it's a really good time to get yourself out of a slump. Like we just discussed how you can do that. I don't think like, I think a lot of people look at spring and summer as like, oh my God, hot girl summer vibes, all the things. No, it's kind of more just take a deep breath. This is a really good time to hit the reset button or the pause or the play button. You can do this. It's a lot about decluttering, decluttering our friendships, asking ourselves, you know, do I find all of these friends to be serving me in the ways that I want them to be serving me? And I think leaving friends behind can be really tough, but we need to start looking at friendships like we do romantic relationships and romantic relationships like we do friendships. Like you can have a friendship breakup. You can sort of declutter your life in terms of the people you spend time with. If that's how it's if that's what's serving you, then that's what you're going to do. So I think when we're looking at like breakups and also starting relationships, I think spring is a really good time for that. I think it's a really good time to date intentionally, to ask yourself what you're looking for and what you want. There's like some kind of stigma that there's like cuffing season and that's when people get in relationships and then in the summer people like to be single. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think when you find the right person, there's no wrong time and it just clicks. And so I think it's a good time to be intentional about your dating if that's what you want to do. I think it's a good time to be intentional about your socializing in general. Do you want to date or do you not want to date, which is totally fine and normal? Do you want to be seeing a lot of friends? Are you kind of in a hermit era? Like being intentional about what this is going to look like for you. I think it's also just helpful like to bring spring vibes into your home, whether that's springy, bright music or flowers or color in any way. You know, Miley Cyrus, I can buy myself flowers. She was on to something there. I used to buy myself flowers every single week of um, high school. I mean, rather college. Every single week when I went grocery shopping, I'd buy myself flowers. It's just a way that I felt really springy, for lack of a better phrase. Um, then the, the one other thing that I think is really important to talk about to close out here is sort of the idea and the stigma of the summer body. Now, I sometimes I look at things and I'm like, we made that up and it wasn't a good thing that we made up. You know, we make up a lot of stuff that's like kind of that's kind of great. Um, we made up the summer body and it's kind of horrible. There's no such thing as like a body ready for the summer. Like all like as long as you have a body, which you all do, you're ready. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no such thing as like, oh, I'm not ready. I don't have my summer body. It's not ready. What is that? That, that doesn't make any sense. Like as long as you have a body, it's ready for the beach. It's ready for summer. And I think like ignoring all of the content that is expressing things about summer bodies and blocking it and unfollowing it if it's not serving you. And just remembering that a season is not a reason to change your body in any drastic way. That doesn't make sense. It's just silly. And honestly, you're not going to have fun in the spring and summer with all the fun outdoor activities if you have no energy to do it, to do them, to tackle them. A lot of it has to do with 
a lot of fun activities in the spring and summer are food related in my opinion and you're just not gonna have a good time if you're so concerned about something arbitrary that we made up that literally sucks you look amazing you are amazing and the summer body is a fake made-up construct that is just meant to make women feel bad about themselves once again so I would just say be intentional about how you're talking to yourself too. Like negative self-talk is not our friend and being like, my body's not ready for the beach. That doesn't make sense. As long as the sun's out, it's 80 degrees. You got some SPF. Your body's ready for the beach. Wear the bathing suits that make you feel confident and comfortable. Do the things that make you feel confident and comfortable over and over and over again, because that's how you deserve to feel. All right. I think that's it for me on this spring cleaning episode on this spring day in New York. Let me check the weather for my weatherman, weather woman, expertise here it's 50 degrees it's mostly cloudy um we're gonna get up to a high of 52 and it's gonna be a beautiful day tomorrow and it's gonna be a bit chilly this weekend oh my god saturday is gonna be hot 70 wow well spring has sprung and I love you guys very much. I hope you have a wonderful, stunning, amazing, beautiful, fabulous rest of your week and weekend or whenever you're listening to this. You guys know where to find me. I love you. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. I know I did. Hope you know that not everything applies to everyone, but these are just some suggestions on how you can feel like your best self. And I thank you for being here. You are the joy of my life. Sending you the biggest hug and let me know if you need anything. And I love you and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.